The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder. But no matter what the struggle, no matter the challenge, you can overcome anything and become successful. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon or good evening. Wherever you are in this world, you know who this is. This is Max with the Fearless Happiness Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, a veteran who's going to share his story, J.H. Parker. What I like to do, John, is um, have you introduce yourself to my audience, who you are, what it is you do exactly, and then we're going to get rolling. Okay. Well, it's good to be here. Um yeah, I've been looking forward to talking to you. Uh, I've uh, I've got a I've got a background in dealing with substance abuse personally, and also in helping a lot of others in their in their journey. And um, and I, first of all, I'm a writer, and I'm an author of two books. I wrote my first book and recorded my first audio book for veterans. Actually, it's called Transitioning Veterans: How We Get in Our Own Way and What to Do About It. And it's an audio book about the critical mind. And I have, I do, I have a dual narration where I, I'm the, I play the voice of the rational, reasonable mind. And I have another veteran playing the voice of the critical mind that's always hijacking us and taking those moments away where we're not really present, but we're trying to manage ourselves. And, and it's a whole, it's about an hour and 20 minutes long. It's very straightforward. Deal with veterans who do not want to ask for help, do not want anybody to know they're getting help. So I wrote it and recorded it so veterans could listen to this uh, possibility of kind of thinking through some things and figuring some things out in the privacy of their own mind without anybody knowing they're listening to it. So that came out in 2018. And I'm here to talk about my book coming out on 323 of 23 which the title is called Be the Dawn in the Darkness. And the subtitle is The Relentless Pursuit of Becoming Who We Are Meant to Be. And um, it's really a transformational development book that's disguised as a narrative memoir. Like I don't teach or preach how to live your life. I don't tell you the seven steps towards anything. I just share like the relentless pursuit of of struggling and uh, becoming who we are meant to be. And uh, it's about life experiences and dealing with trauma, substance abuse, and uh, finding meaning and purpose. So that's a a big part of what I I do professionally. I'm a behavioral assessment analyst. And um, I was in the personal, professional, and transformational development industry working for authors for about 13 years. And 
you know, I, I, I work with companies and organizations around conflict resolution about team development, leadership development, culture development. But I learned everything I needed to know when I was in the military, um, you know, about what great teams are all about, what bad teams are all about. And, um, you know, so I guess a little bit about my military background. Uh, my dad was in the, uh, was a Korean War Marine Corps combat vet. And then he went to Vietnam and got shot down with his pilot and had to evade getting captured. So he was really traumatized from two conflicts and just a hopeless alcoholic and really violent. And so I grew up, you know, uh, it was like a science project, you know, looking at the different healing stages of welts and scars, you know, and uh, I went through uh, just a, a terrible childhood as my whole family did with childhood trauma. You know, on the ACEs score, the Adverse Childhood Experiences score, I'm a 10 out of 10 uh, because that was inside the house. And when I went out, went out outside the house in Southwest Phoenix, there were nothing but gangs and predators, like literally waiting for me to go to the store. When my mom told me to go to the store several times a week and they would signal each other that the rabbit was loose. And and it was, it was just constant. Uh, I never even thought I was being bullied until, I don't know, 10 years ago. I, I, it was so far beyond bullying. I didn't, I thought it was a joke. You know, people talk about bullying. And, uh, and then I went in the Marine Corps, you know, partially to please my dad, you know, and, um, I got in a lot of trouble in the Marine Corps because of my rage. Um, I went in the Marine Corps because I was just tired of being messed with, you know, and, right. um, and then you, you drink a bunch of liquid courage and my rage would come out. And so I got a lot of article 15s. That's, it's a form of punishment. You know, that is, um, you know, you get, you get three and you're supposed to get kicked out. I had a lot more than that. And fortunately I was able to make it through and get a, a, a general under honorable, you know, discharge. Um, fast forward, you know, um, my brother, uh, eventually, you know, he, his drug drug dealing days and his uh, drug abuse days caught up with him when he got killed on his motorcycle. It was totally, totally wiped out on coke and alcohol and weed. He was out motorcycle riding in the desert with his drug dealing buddies and shot up on the freeway and went right into the front of a truck, you know, at 70 miles an hour. Wow. So, you know, like happened to identify him, you know, and then, um, and then my son went in the long story short, I had a son. He went in the army, did two tours in Afghanistan. Um, he was a, he wasn't an alcoholic, but he definitely had a binging substance abuse challenge. And then, uh, I mean, he made it home from two tours in Afghanistan and got killed on his Harley, um, doing 120 miles an hour down an unlit road at midnight outside of Fort Drum, New York, you know, so. It's been a it's been a catastrophic journey, you know, the first part of my life. And um for, unfortunately, I was exposed to some magical helpers when I was a little child at five years old. And I had a magical helper in the in the form of a great aunt who was a phenomenally well-balanced person who told me I was going to create something extraordinary of my life. And I believed her because she said it. And so throughout all these things going on on my trajectory, 
she was my voice of reason. And um, so long story short, she told me to bump it. She said, she said, pay attention to the people you meet because they're messengers and are most likely the ones who are here to teach you the most. So if you get a flat tire, pay attention. You're probably supposed to meet somebody. And, uh, and that's the way it's worked my whole life. As bad as it has been, I've, I, I've, I've met all these magical helpers along my journey that have helped me become who I am. And, uh, and, and I'll just say from one five minute conversation in Okinawa, Japan with in the Marine Corps, just before I got out, this guy told me that, you know, the world didn't need another hard ass Marine who could parachute out of helicopters and carry big, heavy packs, you know, and shoot really well because people don't care about that, you know? And he said, if I were you, instead of sitting here, thinking that you're perfect, you know, you're going to go out and be successful in the world. I go to the closest bookstore. I go to the self-help section and I buy anything that jumps off the shelf at me and I'd start reading about who I'm becoming. So that was my introduction to personal development because I was not going to go seek counseling. This wasn't going to happen. And so um, long story short, I get into the personal development field. I've been in it for 35 years. And, um, you know, the, uh, life is really good. I found joy at 53, um, you know, and now I'm, I get to write books about transformation and about recovery and finding meaning and purpose. So how's that for an intro? <laughs> I love it, John. I knew this was going to go well because you and I are close in age, right? And I did this, we have similar stories, but I was Navy, right? So I want to go back a little bit, right? Like how did, as a child, right? You're, you're growing up, you, you got a brother who's dealing drugs. You got a severe, severely alcoholic dad who is basically using you as target practice. Like, like I'm sure some of the my audience want to go like how did he get through that how and then you say right as soon as you step out the door these guys know you're coming and like they're they're signaling each other like there's a lot of people that wouldn't have got through that very well if you know what I mean so like you've already had this in you to be persistent to persevere right but how did you get through those times how as I like to say how did you get through those challenges earlier on early on so that you could survive and then like you said eventually learn those lessons that would come back to you from those times how did that work for you well that's a really great you're just teeing me up perfectly man because uh, wow at the very beginning of my book i i talk about the fact that my great aunt gladys she was a war correspondent during the nazi invasion of france and paris she was the only canadian war correspondent and she was reporting on a lot of a lot of action a lot of crazy stuff and uh long story short she evacuated with the parisians and all the surrounding countries the germans they flooded the roads with refugees to block the maneuvering of french forces so they could just walk right into paris without pretty much firing a shot and uh so she wrote a book about that evacuation and her life and uh she uh, there was a canadian history channel a uh, production about her life, a documentary. And then she was awarded the French Foreign Legion Medal of Honor uh, by the French government for her participation. So she was a, she's like a hero to our whole family. She used to come stay with us for two months a year. Um, 
to get out of the Canadian winters. She was uh, she worked at the French Embassy in Canada. So we had this really sophisticated, intelligent, like brilliant woman who purposely came to live with us for two months a year to shield us from my father. She could have stayed with my grandparents four hours away down in Nogales, but she chose to come stay because my dad was a saint around her. You know, but every time she came down to see us every year, he would pin the three of us kids in the, against the wall and poke us in the chest and say, we don't talk about what happens here. You don't say anything to Gladys about what happens here. Do you read me? You will pay. You know, so you get these little terrified kids. Yeah. But then here's Bobby, this wonderful contrast who she really kind of just turned my head. Like she was sending me pictures of like Michelangelo and the statue of David and Gulliver's Travel and the Trojan Horse. And I could, before I could read, I was looking at these pictures. And she put a little note next to this picture um, about the statue of David, which basically said, You must chip away all that is not you. Right. Like David found this piece of block, this the, the piece of stone that other sculptors had given up on because that had a fatal flaw, but he saw David in the flaw, and all he did was chip away everything that wasn't David. So this is this is answering your question, and that she she said, you must look at the cracks and the faults, and you have to chip away all that is not you. So that's one message. She said, You've already got core courage at the core of your being. And then she went through these exercises to bring out times that I was courageous. I had some experience and she was able to help me understand how to tap into that. And then she said something that I couldn't figure out for 50 years. She told me about how all religions, if you take out the extreme aspects, are distilled down into one common thread. And that thread is God is love. And she, she said, Don't, this will help you get along with anybody of any faith if you just know that everybody fundamentally believes that. So I believe that too. And then she said, do you believe that God is love? And my dad was sitting in the kitchen like 10 feet away and I couldn't say anything. And um, so she saw I was nervous and she took me for a walk in the park and she sat me down. She said, what's going on? I said, I'm not allowed to talk about it. What do you mean you're not allowed to talk about it? Long story short, she pulls it out of me. I said, well, if God is love, then why is this happening to me? Like it may be true for you, but it's not true for me. And so she said, someday you're going to be an adult a lot longer than you're a kid. And you're going to have kids of your own. And, um, and you're going to find your purpose in life. And, uh, so that, those are some of the principles that she was provisioning me for the hero's journey ahead. And I didn't, I didn't even know what the hero's journey was, but I sure figured that out later where when I was older, she educated me on it. So that's the kind of the beginning. When you have one person of healthy character that tells you you're going to do something extraordinary with your life, you believe them because they said it. That's what got me through the most difficult of times because every time i was about to get my ass kicked by six or seven guys and it happened a lot broken fingers cracked ribs like just i would always ask if god is love why the fuck is this happening to me right <laughs> abs you know i <laughs> i'm laughing with you because i know exactly what you're talking about right and it sounds like your great aunt was like your first mentor personal development coach right 
who saw something in you, right? Because growing up, like I get what you're saying, right? Like I, I didn't have a, my dad wasn't around. So I didn't, I didn't have a father, right? So I always looked um, for that, but never really had it growing up, right? So I, I know that feeling of just going, okay, right? Because I remember when my addiction took me to that level, right? Where I went from the white picket fence, married with children to the streets, right? And all of a sudden I'm thrown into this environment where all I've seen was what I saw on TV, right? Like and all those things I swore I'd never do, you know, oh, I'll never do that. I swear I'll never do that. And then all of a sudden I catch myself, damn, I'm doing that, right? <laughs> Holy moly. Um, and excuse me. Um, so, you know, I, I, I remember like, cause you're bringing back memories for me. And I just, right. I didn't have that till later in life. I had that one coach, that one mentor that said, you're going to do great things. Right. And until that point, I didn't believe it. Right. Cause I was told like you, like other things like, oh, you'll never graduate high school. You're, you're not going to amount to anything. Right. That's why I went to the Navy. Right. Cause my mom said, you're not doing anything. So you're either going to be gone from here or here's your choices. Right. And then you, I, I start going, okay, I got to do something different, but it didn't. And I didn't end up doing anything different till later on. Like, and, and when you're telling me this, I'm thinking to myself, okay. Uh, and it was a friend of mine. Well, there's a couple, one still alive, but another coach and mentor of mine who I'd known for 10 years passed away of COVID back in 2021 March. And it was right after I had started this podcast, but you know, and it was one of those kicks in the butts, right? Cause he, I, I, I opened my mouth. Of course, you know, I said something like, yeah, I'm going to start a podcast and little, and I forgot that he's one of those guys that would go, Oh, you're going to do that. So now I'm going to be your accountability partner, whether you like it or not. Right. And I'm going to push you to do it. And every time we would meet, it would be another excuse. Okay. And then one day it was right before he passed away. He's like, Hey, Max, how's that podcast going? And here I came again with an excuse, right? Oh, I'm I'm learning how to edit, right? Well, this gentleman rarely cussed, but that day he was like, "Fucking Max, fucking just just do it. P perfect doesn't mean done, right?" And from when you shared that story, that's what brought that back for me. It was like all those times I was trying to do something, but really had no direction, right? And I found this guy. Now I I'm like he was my your great aunt to you. I realized he was that for me, right? He was always directing me and going, this is what you got to do. But I didn't have that belief in myself. So what sparked that belief, right? I know she did, but like, what was that fire lit where you knew that what she was telling you came to fruition and you're like, I know what my purpose is and I know what I want to do now. Like, and I'm not going to quit till I get there. Well, that's a, that's a, it's an interesting question because I think there's been stages of awareness, but like I started smoking weed when I was 11, 12 years old, because I was so, um, terrified all the time that when I smoked weed, I would immediately check out. Right. And I would be somewhere else. But the other side of that coin was I become extremely paranoid. So I was either <laughs> in terror or paranoid. And right, but the thing is, I knew how to sever my consciousness and I knew how to time travel my mind out of my current situation. And then I found alcohol as a little older, 
And so I didn't realize I was abusing substances. I was escaping. And then I'd have these coherent moments where, you know, I, the only reason why I got in the, in the military is because I didn't have any felonies. All of my buddies did. And so I just look at this like, like somebody's been watching over me kind of thing, you know, to kind of put me where I need to be. And, um, you know, I think it really took me until I was 53, where I guess I would describe my life is like there's an old saying that when you're if you're in Africa on the plains and you wake up in the morning, whether you're the hunted or you're the hunter, you better be running. Yeah. That was my life. And I was my life. I was constant anxiety. I said massive depression. You know, I was just uh just just trying to project and learn how to be in the world. And got on the got on the Marine Corps, I had a very limited vocabulary, a, a very, very limited compartmentalized set of emotions. And um I learned in the military that there's something far beyond rage. It's called retribution, you know, and that's when you, you're not, you're not afraid. You just want to, you know, you just want to go off. And, um, so I just had a lot to, a lot to try to tame in my, in my life. And, uh, personal development was my path to keep me focused. You know, um, ironically, I got into the personal development field and I worked for Tony Robbins for a couple of years. I worked for a bunch of best selling authors for about 13 years. And I was able to wear suits and walk and talk and model Tony and other thought leaders so I could learn how to painfully speak in public and do, <laughs> do all that. So I was really just, uh, I had a serious imposter syndrome, like who in the hell am I to be doing this? And so I just kept stretching and stretching and, um, and, and things got easier, but I wasn't happy. I didn't have any joy. You know, and then I went on a Native American vision quest in the, the Canadian Rockies with a 73-year-old Cree woman, like four days, four nights with no food, no water, no talking, no journaling, no reading. You just sit there with yourself, you know, in a teepee for four days all by yourself or, or out in the wilderness, really. Right. And um, that revealed some things. And then I got into the plant, to plant medicines. and. Um, and that's when I, that's when I really unlocked, I transcended my trauma and transcended all the things that I was holding on to. Um, long story, it's a long answer, but it's been, it's been a real, that's why I called the book, The Relentless Pursuit of Becoming Who I'm Meant to Be. And I'm just, uh, I tell people all the time, I'm not, I'm not here to teach anybody because teachers fall from the pedestals you put them on. You know, right. I'm in it every day. I'm triggered and every day I have to struggle and, but I struggle less and life has gotten a lot easier. I love that because it's almost like my journey of recovery, right? I always believe, you know, and people got all kinds of thoughts on it. Right. And I believe it's a journey that I do for the rest of my life, but it's one I love doing, right? Because it's like that onion analogy, right? You peel back a layer, you discover, you, you uncover, you discover. And then if you don't like it, you throw it away and you start all over. Right. Um, right. And that's what personal development is all about. Right. It's not you don't I I believe you don't arrive. Right. Like all of a sudden, ah, I've completed every personal development. You know, I um 
from what I'm hearing from you is that it's a constant journey, right, of discovery and and peeling back layers and and finding what works for you and what doesn't, right? Um, and that's a challenge in itself, right? Because we have good days and bad days, and I'm sure there's days, uh, you know, John, where you're like, oh man, I'm like I'm on the mountain, I feel great. And then one day you could just wake up because your mind's already running on overtime before you even wake up and you're like down in the valley going, how the fuck did I get here? You know what I mean? Like, this is not supposed to be what's going on. So those challenges, right, as you've discovered who you are and on this journey of your relentless journey, how's that going? Like, give them a little more detail, like, because some people, they don't realize that well, I like to say it's trusting that process and trusting that journey, right? Because that's where I learn the most, right? Even in those struggles where where I don't quit on myself, right? And I have the right people around me that, you know, are either kicking me in the butt saying, keep going or don't go that way because, you know, here here's my experience, right? And you get to pick and choose. But how's that going for you, right? Because you and I are older gentlemen now and Right. I feel like I'm learning more now in my 50s than I ever have. I would say surround yourself with the right people. Um, what changed my life by being in the personal development field is I got to work with Jim Rohn, who was Tony Robbins' first mentor. Yes. And not Jim Rohn, the sports guy, the Jim Rohn, the philosopher. He's a wonderful guy. Look him up. You know, he's got lots of material out there. I listened to his. He had a program called Success Strategies back when they were cassettes. Believe that. It's like next to an eight track. It's pretty old, you know. And so I listened to his audio book recording album, probably six tapes, about 75 times, 80 times. Like I was driving on the country working for Tony Robbins and I was listening to Jim Rohn. And you only need a couple of really good principles to focus on when you're in the shit. And you got to think about things. And the first thing he said, I literally pulled over when I heard this and I wrote it down. He said, you must carefully examine the credentials of those who wish to enter the place in your mind where your thoughts are formed. Up until that point, nobody had any credentials. I was hanging out with the toughest guys for protection. Okay. And I was running with the wrong crowd and getting in lots and lots of trouble and uh, never bothering to see you know, there's an old saying, or the, the 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 most unrewarding game isn't follow the leader. Are the people that you're following going where you want to go? These are principles that I put into my head that really started looking, helped me look at who am I hanging out with? And then the second thing that Jim Rohn really taught me, I give him full credit, is the three types of association. This changed the trajectory of my life, which was the first association is disassociation. If people are toxic for you, you got to get rid of them. Yes. Okay. And I, I just decided to stop calling people. And if they came after me and wanted to know why I wasn't calling back, I literally had to sit them down saying, you're not heading where I need to go. If you want to change your mind, maybe we'll keep talking, but I got to go. And I just shut it down. And the second type of, type of association is limited association. What if they're family members? You got to see them at Christmas. Well, then be clear with them. I need you to understand that I'll see you at Christmas and the holidays, but I got to limit my, limit my association. It's toxic. It's not healthy for me. And if you want to get better and you want to talk about this, I'm willing to do that. But if not, I got to go. And I let go of a lot of hanger honors that were just parasites. 
you know um and then expanded association was th the third and best one which is look at the people that have the qualities that you want to acquire and take them to lunch and tell them what you see in them almost 10 out of 10 times they'll at least give you they'll become a friend or they'll think highly of you but a good majority will actually start talking to you and they will start helping you when you ask you just got to be transparent and clear about it so right. the three kinds of three types of association i mean when you when i when i got in trouble it was usually because of the people i was hanging out with or the stinking thinking in my head yeah absolutely that's how i live today uh john is like if you are not going in the direction i want to go right i mean i don't want to be a taker but i mean i want to grow as a human being then i got to cut you out and uh and i learned that in my early recovery you know from my sponsor and mentors that said look you can't go back to the old neighborhood because you know as they say if you go to the hang out in the barbershop long enough you're gonna get a haircut i did that four times when that happened and um you know i was hanging around the wrong dogs and getting fleas again and you know and and today it's it's about choosing like you right the people well how this is how it was put to me if you want what we have you got to do what we do or you got to find the people if you want what they have you got to do what they do and you know and I, right and it's about you know and if it's about bettering yourself you're always going to want to find the people that are ahead of you right so and and see what they're doing and how they're doing it right like yourself like okay i'm going to go hang out with john because i want to see what he's doing because he's going where i want to go and you know it wouldn't be like somebody i don't know or you know you don't know what they're doing and then you find out later you're trying to hang out with them and they're not even into personal development or trying to grow as a human being and then you know because there's a lot i believe there you can't take back time right you can't get a do-over so it's about choosing um for the betterment of myself because there's a lot more involved of it in it than just me right it's being a better husband a better father a better grandfather because we just had grandbaby number 10 uh you know right before christmas and so it's wow. you know it's about leaving a legacy and 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 it's not always about the money and it's about hey grandpa was a good guy right because he had integrity right he said he meant what he said and he said what he meant right so as you're doing this right because you've sounds like you've gotten to hang around a really a bunch of really good guys right that not only walk the walk and talk the walk uh walk the walk and talk the talk but when you were doing that right and it's like I always like say pick what you what you can use and leave the rest right and Jim Rome is one of the all-time greatest right he has some really good stuff that he shared with the world and um so when you broke off uh, and to do your own I mean I know you probably still have mentors and and stuff you you look up to and you work with but how do I put this like I want to say how is that feeling you know what I mean like when you knew you're on the right path um well it, it's something you said that triggers something for me the, the the most powerful mantra for me is progress not perfection because nobody can beat me up better than I can right progress not perfection you know that was a big 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 realization for me that I've I've screwed a lot of things up in my life and I'm embarrassed to say 
that that's what happened, you know, and, uh, but I own it. And the second thing is take new snapshots of yourself and others regularly as often as you need to, to keep reaffirming that you are learning, you are growing, you are evolving and take those new snapshots. Like if I met the people that I work with today, if I, if I, if I still held them, held them small with a, a limited snapshot of who, who they were when we met, and I, and I didn't take into consideration how they've learned and grown and matured. I'd be holding them small and the relationship wouldn't last. Okay. And so, and then I do the same thing with myself. So these are some, some, some principles. And to kind of round it out with glad, my aunt Gladys, you know, chipping away all that is not me. I've watched some huge chunks fall away. And now I'm working on the fine, fine groups and just the, the, the qualities. You know, and what I learned after all these years was the reason why I, I, I do believe God is love. And the reason why I went through all my suffering is to learn, is to be given the gift of empathy. I can understand the pain of others so easily that sometimes I just need to shut up and listen and just be present. I don't need to fix anybody. I just need to be present and allow them to do their work. And what happened for me is it shifted from like fatherly parental energy, like I have with my son, to grandfather energy. Like you're literally a grandfather. Okay. I got five grandkids. So it's grandfather, grandfather energy. I don't need to rush in and rescue anybody. I don't need to worry about them all the time. I need to hold a space for them. I need to be kind. I need to be generous. I need to be empathetic you know i i need to give them some grace i need to be patient and then tell them the truth you know when they need to hear it i'll give it to them right and so this is grandfather energy and that's how like i see you being in the world and you know you're counseling people we're shepherding them through some of their worst times you know and these principles progress not perfection three types of association you know who you hanging around with Progress, not perfection, taking new snapshots. It is just a small number of like principles that give you a grip to hold on to when you can take one more step. But it, it is an inside job. I mean, it's just, it's corny way to, corny thing to say, but you know, you, 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 people have more tools than they'll give themselves credit for. Like you just, you just like personal development, go to the bookstore, go online, find something that jumps off the shelf at you and start listening or reading who you're becoming go to an experiential training program you know um there's so many counselors that i've met that are in your field that are like they're living a life and they're in the work because they just don't want to go to meetings they want to be in the work so they can see and be immersed in the train wrecks of people's lives so they can remind themselves you know i'm doing this for purpose it gives you meaning and purpose and it keeps you sober. It keeps you out of trouble. What do you think about that? You know what? Absolutely correct. A hundred percent. And I'll say why, right? Because when you're saying that progress, not perfection. So when I first got sober, right, I was going to the meetings and it was all about how good I could sound, how good I could look at a meeting. And like, I was really doing the work, right? But like you said, at the end of the day, I have to look me in the mirror, right? And I was all, you know, and then when I went through, I believe I went through those four relapses for a reason, right? Because it wasn't because God was at, mad at me because 
when I first got sober, I had this whole conversation with my sponsor. I said, well, if this God loved me so much, why would he uh, put me in jail, right? And and luckily, my sponsor, who I call my Yoda, right, was really calm. And he goes, hey, man, maybe he was trying to save your life. Matter of fact, let's do this exercise. And we would start with one. He goes, okay, your first time arrested, what were you going to go do? I want you to write from the time right before you got arrested, what would have happened if you didn't? So over these arrests that I went through, like I found there was some serious, I could have seriously got hurt myself or somebody else, right? And he would say, see, God did love you. You might have not liked where he put you, but he kept you safe. And um, so what, what that brings up for me is that progress, not perfection. So after that last time, it became more of, I'm doing this right? Little did I know, so I could be interviewing guys like John today, right? And and gathering information on how I can become the best human being possible, right? Not only for myself, but for, right? Because, well, you know, the principles of program, like the 12 steps, right? Is one alcoholic helping another or one addict helping another. And, um, and that's a big reason I've stayed sober for over 19 years, is when all said wow. is done, right? Is at the end of the day, God put me in this position to be of service, right? Not only in the job that I do, but if I see someone on the streets, because here was one thing that I got to thank my sponsor for, and I will till the day I die. After my last relapse, he said, Max, you don't get to pick and choose who you help now. If it shows up, you help that person, right? And that's where I got to learn, like you said, empathy. And I think that helps me as a counselor because it doesn't matter if I'm 19 years away from that last drink or drug and I'm talking to someone who's sitting in detox, I can tell them how they feel because I've been there. And they can then look at me and go, wow, this guy knows how I feel. I haven't even said a word yet. And maybe there's something to what he's, you know, and in the beginning, I was hardcore. Like, if you don't do the 12 steps, you're going to die and you're not going to stay sober, right? But I've learned over the years, everybody finds their own path to recovery. And now I realize that God has put me in a position to be that guy to just guide them to one, be accountability partner, uh, to love on them when they can't love on themselves and to be that ear, like you said, because like you said, it's just like sometimes, Max, you just got to shut up and listen. They're trying to tell you something. And I go, OK, I just need to be I just need to be here and be still and let them talk. So, yeah, thank you. That's my thought on it. It took me a while to get there. But like I said, today, the gifts keep showing up. Like I said, this to me, to to interview you, John, and and hear your story and how you've gotten where you came from to where you're at today. That lets me know that I'm on the right path, right? That God is putting these people like yourself in my life that I get to talk to and go, wow, man, this is an amazing human being. Uh, and this is not about me, right? This is a... I love what you're you're talking about, right? Because empathy, I think, right? Because there's a difference we know between sympathy and empathy. And some people don't like our sympathy, right? <laughs> they don't want it. Um, and, and especially, like you said, you're an ex-Marine. And I know a lot of Marines, right, that are the same way. Like, I can do this. I don't need your help, right? But when I can stop and, and be quiet enough and to listen to what they're saying, then they crack open that little bit of vulnerability. Okay, maybe I'll let Max help because he understands. So that's that's what I took away from what you were telling me. And 
you're you're hitting on so much we could talk forever man i, I just i did like talking to you i get where you're at man um but you're it looks like we're almost out of time how, how are we doing on time oh we're good we're good we'll go okay. for i just want to tell you a couple of things man yeah you're on the right you're on the right track man and i i really get i get where you're coming from and you know what i think may be a little controversial in that um most of the people i deal with are veterans that are struggling with alcoholism and addiction and I've, I've lost a ton of buddies that didn't even know they killed themselves with fentanyl you know they just happened to go to another different dealer and they bought some coke and next thing you know their mom's calling me you know i've lost a, a ton of ton of friends over the years man you know um but you know what i, I what i struggle with is uh you know soldiers military people we, we it's difficult to think of the concept of surrendering and I'm I, I cannot control this and I'm going to surrender to a higher power and um we're just not trained to do that you know and it's it, it's just uh deep down we can we can we can go to the meetings or go to jail and we can live the principles and there's some truth to it and eventually people do come around saying you know this is out of my control I I have no control there is a higher power whatever you call it right you know um but I'm I'm really interested in creating um meaning and purpose recovery solutions where people are focusing like when I work with with veterans I'm actually writing a program right now with a clinician um Tom Horvat who actually wrote a book sex drugs gambling and chocolate he is the co-founder of smart recovery you know worldwide and they work with the principles of you know you're not powerless okay it's a whole different approach and it's an alternative to AA that does really really well I know there's some factions that are really controversial because they talk about harm reduction and gradualism right like for me I found out that I wasn't an alcoholic or an addict that you know I have a serious binge binging problem when I really go for it I'm pretty good at it you know I got it down and now my life is totally manageable and i look at choices as slippery slopes it's not just one drink you know it's not just one whatever the self-medicating behavior it is right and the more i i matured through my substance abuse challenges to where i no longer look at myself in that way at all um i i i i, I exercise extreme moderation most everybody i work with in recovery are is just abstinence you they just they cannot even smell alcohol right and so it's complete abstinence but there's also a spectrum where we've got to be realistic like I can have a glass of wine or a couple of glasses of wine here and there and, and I and I and I just I'm happy I'm fine I don't need to drink anymore and I'm just I don't I don't drink hard alcohol certainly don't drink hard alcohol alcohol and wine that's a recipe for disaster so I'm just saying that there is there's there's different approaches but the the work that I'm doing with Tom Horvath is we're actually writing a, a program called the hero's recovery and it's about identity mission meaning and purpose like for military we get you had an identity when you're in the Navy you had a mission every day with a sign you had a meaning and purpose and in the Marine Corps it's like protecting the people right next to you unit core God country your unit first then the Marine yeah. Corps then your God then your country so right. you can tap into that galvanizing way of being because most people when they get out 
they're not told during the transition assistant program, you need to reinvent yourself or you're going to have a, an absolute terrible, terrible time with your transition. Right. There's a guy, um, Hoffer, Eric Hoffer, he's, he had a quote that said, uh, in times of change, learners inherit the earth while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. That's, That's it. You, you are, you are, you're, you're perfectly trained to deal with military environment that no longer exists. But what do we do? People try to give us advice. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. I'll be just fine. You know, I'm a Marine. I'll be successful anywhere. I set my mind. And we got to run into that brick wall and just run into it. And, uh, <laughs> right. That's such so a true statement. Do, so basically I'm, I'm all about like, what was your most powerful time in the military? Was it when you got your eagle globe and anchor? Was it when you got your jump wings, your SEAL training, whatever? And you take them back to these moments where they had this galvanized sense of self. Somehow you've lost your way and you've lost that. And so it's, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing experience to have somebody refocus on that sense of self and then help them redefine their life around identity, mission, meaning, and purpose. Right. And it's a, it's a powerful experience. Well, see, and, and that's the same principle or the way I work in recovery now, right? Is like, if I can't give this, this person a new sense of identity, meaning, or purpose, this whole recovery process is not going to mean shit to them. Cause like you, whether I'm working with, with an ex convict, all right. Cause the same thing for them, they don't, they get $200 gate money and say, Hey, good luck. Right. Like us who leave the military, I didn't get no training to get back into the world. It was like, okay, you hurt your ankle. You, you discharged honorably. We're done with you. Bye. Right here. <laughs> and, and I'm like you, like if I can work with, I don't care. See, and I don't, See, and that's what I do with my clients, right? I, I find out where they want to go, how I can help them reinvent themselves so that they can find purpose. Because I realize in my substance abuse counseling, right, a lot of it's the same thing. Get them to meetings, right, which I have nothing against. I'm a 12-stepper, right? But I don't go to a meeting every day. I go to a meeting once a week. It keeps me connected to that community. But I'm like you, like, you know, part of my personal development is my recovery. Part of my personal development is reading those books on how I can become a better person. And the one thing I, I instilled in myself, right, um, is when I got my degree, right? Like at 48, I realized I go, you don't just do this after you get out of high school, go straight into college. And I kind of like that learning as I was going, if you know what I mean? Kept my brain fresh and, um, but I love what you said, right? Because that's like, I want to work with vets, uh, a friend of mine actually who um, started this um, nonprofit was to help vets find resources and stuff. But unfortunately, my friend, young as he was, passed away, you know, this past year. And, you know, I, I know they're they're keeping it going, but I haven't talked to, but I'm all about I mean, you don't have to be just a vet, of course, but like veterans, you know, those who have served our country, people that really want to make a difference. Like, I want to be that conduit for them, like helping them grow, right? And 
whether they're yeah. struggling with substance abuse or addiction on whatever, because like you said, nowadays, you don't even know, like when you hear these stories where the, the cartels are watering their weed, their marijuana with fentanyl laced water, you know what I mean? Like these kids don't know my, my wife works at the high school. She had two kids that were thought they were buying some pills and they were one died of an overdose and one was in the hospital for a while. Right. Because it was laced with fentanyl. But um, so it's for me, it's it's an an extreme honor for me to meet guys like yourself, John, that are on that mission to help, you know, our military veterans reacclimate into the world. Because like you said, they're taught a whole different lifestyle. And then they said, it's time for you to go. Right. See you later. We're not going to we'll help you a little. They'll call it like retransitioning. But but anyway, like you and I said, we could go for probably all the rest of the evening and just talking about this stuff. But um, we are now kind of running out of time. So I want to ask you some questions. Like I wrote a book, as you can see, right? I called it fearless happiness and I put a wire to happiness. We'll get to that one. But the first one we're going to start with is fearless. What does fearless mean to you and how does that show up now in your life today? Wow. Wow. What does fearless look like and how does it show up in my life today? Um, I, I've been scared to death of doing this right here. Matter of fact, your name, Max, was my grandfather's name. I wrote this book under his name as a pen name so I didn't have to feel like I was writing about myself. His name <laughs> Oh, Maxwell Arnold. He went by Max. And so uh, what does fearless look like? It's 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 like sucking it up, man. You got it. You, you, this is about legacy for, for, for what am I here to do in the world? Like I know some principles and some things that have gotten me through the shit. I mean, really bad things. And I routinely have helped people throughout my life pick them up, dust them off. Put them in the right direction, reprovision, provision their thinking. And I've been doing this for man, 30 some odd years. And uh, I just love watching people get it. And I can't give that up. So when I feel fear, and I gotta step up and I and I just gotta get out of my own way. You know, my if I've gone through the imposter syndrome, I look if you knew who I was, you would never talk to me, kind of thinking, right? <laughs> and it was true for a long time. You know, and um, and now I sit in, in boardrooms with CEOs and I talk to really, you know, I don't know. I just talk to people from everywhere, walk, every walk of life. And I and I don't I don't show up as nervous. I don't show up. I, I show up as very calm and very centered and I listen. So I, I guess I've been able to transcend most of my fear, you know, uh, and channel it, like channel, channel it to the tip of the spear. Like that's what I was really good at in the Marine Corps is my rage. I could I could focus it, you know. So maybe that's what I'm talking about. I take my fear and I focus it on like like in the fire. I just burn it up and I just do it anyway. Awesome, I love it. Um, happiness, right? As you see, I replaced the I with a Y. What is happiness? <laughs> what is happiness? Really <laughs> high conforming literal that are like, what's this guy show about? Spell it right. <laughs> I get that all the time, but knowing I put the why there, what does happiness mean to you? And how does that show up in your life? Man, um I experienced joy for the first time when I was 53. 
Okay. And so I can remember that moment. And um, I guess what I can tell you is uh, I, I write about this a lot. No matter what you've been through, no matter how traumatic or even heartbreaking, that sooner or later, you're going to come to the realization that you deserve to live a fulfilling life. And if you believe that long enough, you're going to come to the second realization, which is that you deserve to be happy. You know, and for I, I, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of people aren't. If they could take my place, they would take it in a heartbeat, you know, and uh, I, I mean, I kind of owe it to some people that I was super close with to do something with my life. And it's scary. You know, I have, I still have moments, but I know how to bounce back like that. Like I don't spend time being triggered anymore. Um, and I'll tell you that just briefly that our life happens between our triggers. Like I used to get triggered and they would be full blown episodes. And then hours or days later, I'm like, what the hell happened? Oh yeah. I got triggered because of that idiot cut me off or whatever it was. Right. But I developed a way to self-regulate. And it's in my audiobook that I, I wrote the whole thing about this is that, you know, how do you, how do you learn to self-regulate till you can recognize you're triggered quicker? To where you collapse the time, collapse the time frame when you're triggered to where you recognize it down to nanoseconds to where those triggered events become little blips. And then you start getting triggered less and less and less. And this is where your life happens between your triggers. So these, I feel fear. I, I look at happiness, man. I look at happiness because I'm doing my work and it's progress, not perfection. And, you know, I get to, I get to do really great things with my life. Whereas before I just, I probably wasn't supposed to live this long. <laughs> right. Oh, thank you so much for that, John. Man, like this has been in one amazing episode, one amazing interview. And I've learned so much from you today. So thank you so much um for that so if people want to work with you or find your books or whatever um how do they find you john well right now you can go to harvestingwisdom.com that's my website i bought that url when the first when the internet first started i don't even know how many years ago and i knew it was going to be something someday harvestingwisdom.com and uh i'm going to be giving away the first seven chapters of my audiobook um and for the first seven chapters of the written book and a pdf form that should be up on my website in the next couple of days and um you can also go to transitioningveteransbook.com um where there's a couple of cool little explainer videos about this work and um it'll be on amazon i really don't do a lot of consulting very much right now I'm semi-retired. I don't do a lot of consulting. I don't run around the country anymore. I write books and I, and I, I do with, I do my best to convey real practical information about transformation and how to live a better life, regardless of what you've been through, regardless of how many people told you you wouldn't amount to anything. I am the guy that people would have said would never, ever be successful. Like whoever met me in my teens and twenties, I was, I was way out of control, man. So it's it's possible. You just got to learn your way through. Right. Thank you for that. That's awesome. Um, well, you're not off the hook just quite yet, right? So what I like to do before I end the podcast is, what is one piece of advice, John, that you would give my audience that would help them become a better human being? That one piece of advice you would give to them? 
I'll, I'll, a, I'll tell you the same thing that that warrant officer told me in Okinawa, Japan. Start focusing on who you're becoming, right? If you don't have a goal, make your first goal finding a goal. And if all that means is going on the internet, you don't have really any bookstores anymore. But if you're near a bookstore, go to the self-help section, not the psychology section, <laughs> and look <laughs> at spines on the bookshelf and start making a stack of all the ones that jump off the shelf. The first one I saw was The Magic of Thinking Big by Schwartz. I'm like, damn, that sounds like a great book. So I picked that one up. The second one was Psycho-Cybernetics. I thought that was a funny title. And then I read it, I cracked it open. It was a this guy, Maxwell Maltz, who was a plastic surgeon who made people beautiful, but they couldn't see it. So he wrote a book about it called Psycho-Cybernetics. And here I am in this impeccable Marine uniform, but I'm all kinds of fucked up inside. Like I knew how <laughs> Created external like right. Im impression, right? But the internal, it's called internal cohesion. The, the the projection I gave out did not match the internal representations inside of me, right? And when that right. gets clean, it gets it easier. And the third book was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I thought that one just sounded cool, right? And like, <laughs> of course, I want to think. So find something that lights your brain on fire to personal development and get some counseling if you need, and go find some mentors, and get rid of the toxic people in your life, and limit the association with people that you have to be with, but still are toxic for you. So those are like quick and easy. Like this is how to change the trajectory of your life. I love it. Thank you for that, John. You hear that, everybody? That's some great advice, right? First and foremost, get rid of the toxic people because they're going to bring you down as much as you try. If you hang around, that's what's going to happen. But thank you, sir, for, for being here today. It's, we could have kept going definitely for hours. Um, I appreciate you. Hey, everybody, if, if, if John made you think, if he made you smile, if he made you go, hmm, please leave a review so people can find this. Leave a five-star review over on iTunes. iTunes excuse me, I can't speak today. And uh, I'll hopefully bring bring John back again when his book comes out, because I know I'll be getting your book. Um, again, thank you for being here, John. And until next time, we'll see you guys later. Have a great evening. Good morning or good afternoon, everybody. You've been listening to Fearless Happiness. The numbers on addiction are absolutely stunning. Max lived in addiction for years and during that time made some terrible choices, losing his family, friends, and career. But he turned his life around. And now, Max works as a substance abuse counselor helping people in their recovery. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun along the way. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at maxnaced.com on Facebook at max.naced. Till next time, keep the fight and we'll see you soon.